Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty and a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto. Cutting-edge, state-of-the-art, compassionate facility. Right now, it is Mental Health Awareness Week. This is the time when they need you most. This is the time when you can make a real difference when it comes to doing something about the mental health crisis and the devastating opioid epidemic, the overdose epidemic that we're currently experiencing, losing 20 people every day. They need your help. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. So what are we doing? Uh, It's a podcast. It's uh, kind of like your radio show, except uh, people listen to it on purpose. Okay, good. You put on weight. All right, I haven't done this yet, but I'm taking a week off. I got to do it. I can't keep going at this pace. I'm going to burn out. I know. Poor me. I mean, for a long time, I didn't want to take a week off because the audience was just growing and growing and growing. And I, I thought I would screw everything up if I put a rerun on for a week. And, and then I just sort of didn't want to do a rerun because... Stuff just kept happening. There's just always news. There's always somebody giving me a story or something happening in the media or something that wasn't getting talked about. And uh, it's just hard to put this thing down. It's it's still true this week. I've got three different things I could be talking about this week. I have to take a week off. So here's something from the past. Here's the first episode of Canada Land. And I'm hoping that a lot of you haven't heard this. There are about five times as many people listening to the show now than we had in those early months. I know some of you have gone through the archives. Thank you for doing that. But uh, hopefully this will be fresh to some of you. Uh, or if you've heard it before, I just re-listened to this and I think it stands for a re-listen, though I got to tell you, if you're me, it is painful to listen to. I don't think it'll be painful for everybody else. But if you're me, it's painful because it's embarrassing how Enright just cuts me to the quick. And, um, you know, a little context, I, I, I had been thinking about starting a show like this for a long time. 
And uh, for the first guest, it just seemed natural to me to get my old boss, Michael Enright, on and, and almost explain it to him and defend myself. Why did I want to do this? And uh, to do this, I had to kind of invite him to this shared workspace where I was operating out of at the time. I didn't have a proper recording studio. I set up a mic in this little creaky library and it was pouring rain and he walked up from the CBC. He was drenched, soaking. And I, I had to go like find a hoodie in the lost and found for Michael Enright to wear and get him some something hot to drink. But here it is. I'm going to play it for you. I think it gives some insight into where this whole thing came from. Here it is, the first episode of Canada Land. And one correction before we begin. I say in this episode that nobody in the Canadian mainstream press wrote about the Margaret Wente plagiarism case until The Guardian UK first wrote about it. That is incorrect. Uh, Colby Kosh and some other people did write about it first. I was not aware of that when I had this conversation with Enright. So uh, apologies to those journalists. I got that one wrong. So here it is, Canada Land number one, wait for it. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool, doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer. And it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. Right now, there is an opioid crisis. Right now, there is a mental health crisis. But right now, it is Mental Health Week. And what that means is you can do something about these crises. You can help people. You can help CAMH save lives. They offer treatment with dignity, and they are doing cutting-edge research. I don't know if anybody listening to this is untouched by this crisis. You can see it in the downtown of every city in this country. You certainly feel it in Toronto. This is not something happening to other people. These are our friends. These are our communities, our families. We are all touched by addiction. We are all touched by the mental health crisis, and we all share responsibility to do something about it. Helping CAMH is something you can do about it. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where nobody is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help them treat addiction and build hope. This episode of Canada Land is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible makes audiobooks, and you can get one for free if you sign up for a 30-day free trial. One book that was recommended to me by listener Jason Keel is Wheelmen, Lance Armstrong, the Tour de France, and the greatest sports conspiracy ever. All about how Lance Armstrong manipulated the media. It's written by Reed Albergati and Vanessa O'Connell. And if you go to audibletrial.com slash CanadaLand, you can download that or any of Audible.com's 150,000 audiobooks, you can download one for free when you sign up at audibletrial.com slash CanadaLand. Go do it. You got any coffee or anything? Yeah, I've got water here. I've got something a little stiffer, if you'd like a bourbon. What kind is it? It's Woodford. 
That's the kind I like. Good. Thing with journalists, everything is grist. What I had for breakfast, my mother died. I got hit by a bicycle in Cambridge. Did you know that? Smashed my elbow all to pieces. I didn't know that. Yeah. Did you get a show out of it? No, but I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to write a whole essay about it. I got shit from Minsky for writing about her. I got married and I wrote about it. But yeah, we use everything. It's uh, prostitutes that way, I suppose. It's ridiculous. Shit. Well, you asked for hot water. It's hot. All right, let me fix your levels. Uh, what did you have for breakfast this morning? I had eggs over with sausages and an English muffin. Every Tuesday I go to a breakfast club of some very important people. Is your slinger Fulford uh, breakfast club? Yeah, Bob's not, doesn't come. It's Rabinovich, oh. Bob Ray, John, uh, what's his face? Master of Massey College. Oh, yeah, little guy. Smallish, but important. And a very wealthy finance guy. So you go there, you boost your cholesterol, and you control Canada. from Absolutely. This. From that little breakfast table. Yeah. One day. Maybe one day. <sighs> nope. So what do you want to do? I don't know. I guess, uh, I guess we'll have a conversation. Okay. How long will that take? This, uh, this might be a terrible idea that I'm embarking upon. Okay. This, could be, this might be an awful idea. This might be the gong show of podcasts. Is that what you're saying? This might be a very bad idea for me. Okay. Uh, this was rejected by the CBC. It was rejected by the Toronto Star. It was rejected by the National Post. <laughs> rejected by McLean's. Not outright. They entertained it. I came to them. I said, yeah. why is there no Canadian daily show? Why is there no Canadian gawker? Why is there no Canadian on the media? Why is there no Canadian David Carr? Or, or you know, there's 47 other newspaper media critics in the States. We don't have one here. We got no shortage of material. We got a plagiarism scandal or something like that. The Globe and Mail has a media reporter. Media reporter is not a media critic. No. no, no. So we don't have anybody on this beat in this country, and there's a tremendous. Well, you can argue that John Doyle, perhaps. John Doyle, with his uh, television industry yeah. cheerleading, is a media critic. Well, uh, you want to quibble with me? Do we have a news media critic? Do we have a journalism critic no. in this country? No. So the the profession of journalism. Does not have anyone looking at the profession of journalism. Not in this country, no. We'll, we'll criticize or analyze anybody but ourselves. However, if I can take you back to before you were born, when I was in management at CBC, I put a radio program on called Mediafile. Yeah. It was to examine the media through radio. And we looked at all kinds of things. Uh, it didn't last for more than a season, I don't think. Why? Uh, people in the media got nervous about it. One of the first things I wanted to do was uh, record a uh, the assignment meeting at the National. Yeah. That came up again, by the way. I was on a team that was uh, modernizing the National for the digital platform about five years ago, so you can see how well that went. That very idea came up again. Well, we were given permission, and then the permission was withdrawn. Uh-huh. And so we didn't do That was going to be our first show, actually, was uh, how the National gets made. But the nervousness of... The journalists. The journalists that we were approaching, the people that we were wanted to profile, and they, they got nervous about going public, coming out of the media closet. The reason I received when people bothered to, to give me the rejection, <laughs> nobody cares how the sausages get made. Well, that's, that's rubbish. That's nonsense. I mean, people want to know what's going on in the world. 
and whether they find out from Tahrir Square with crazy people running around with uh, pod cams or whatever you call it, uh, oh or they get it from the New York Times, mm-hmm. they want to know. No, I think it would be it would be folly to say I'm going to do the Canadian Daily Show. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but I wanted to do something, you know, and I, I thought that the the idea that the topic is just not of interest was, as you say, uh, that's fallacious. Yeah, it is of interest to people. Let's uh, uh, when you had the Peggy Wenty plagiarism hoo ha. People read all about it. They wanted yeah. to know about it. You've yeah, it was it was maybe the story of the year in, in Canadian news. I mean, it was a huge story. There was an in- and the, uh, the media didn't run away from it. Oh it, no! Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Okay, because everyone in the media knew about what she was up to. They knew about her transgressions for a very long time. I didn't. I didn't. And well, I know I've known her for a long time. Hey. I didn't know. I didn't know she was lifting. A lot of people knew. Of course they did. And the woman in Ottawa did a service, I think. She did. And I, I think it's uh, Carol Wainio. Yes. I don't think that it's uh, an accident that it was not written about in the Canadian press until it was written about in The Guardian, UK. That may very well be true. I think the behavior of the Globe Mail was far more pernicious than almost... I mean, Watergate wasn't about the break, break-in. It was about the cover-up. Yeah. And I think that the Globe and Mail failed in its responsibilities to the public, to its readership, in not dealing with the, with the uh, Wenty thing up front. Um, I've known her for many years. I'm a fan. I like her work. I think that it was almost a tragedy. Yeah. And uh, I think the Globe has, uh, you know, somebody who worked there and loved the place, it's turned into a... I think it's a lousy newspaper, and I think it's uh, the governance of it is lousy. And but uh, I'll get in terrible trouble, I think, by saying that. But I don't think they did the right thing as far as uh, Murray was concerned. Can we talk about the CBC, or would that make you uh, uncomfortable? It'll make me uncomfortable, but we can talk about it. What do you want to talk about? Uh, what, what kind of shape is it in? <laughs> Well, the CBC, since its invention in 1936, has always been in a parlous state. How do you feel about the journalism on CBC Radio? Well, I'm getting to that uh, and would have gotten there earlier if I hadn't been interrupted. The journalism has evolved and then it has devolved. It has followed the trends of every other media organization, including the BBC. And I think that's sad. I still think we're the best, one of the best, with along with the Toronto Star, best investigative journalistic organizations in the country. We are national. Uh, I'm not going to give you the bind the country together bullshit, but um, I think the journalism has become what journalism has become everywhere. You know, as I say, it's somewhat absurd for me to put myself in this position of taking a critical eye towards what journalists are doing. Oh, we'll get you. Yeah. Because I really had no intention of of being a journalist in the first place. I know. I think you're proud of that. Maybe. Yeah. You know what? When we met, I was doing satire and pranks, uh, humor column for Saturday Night Magazine. That's what attracted me to what you were doing. I felt that there was more truth in what Ali G was doing or what Jon Stewart was doing. They were better reporters. 
in a sense. There was more honesty in what they were doing than, than in what I was experiencing watching the news. And that's what I aspired to. Uh, that's when I got a call from you. And you had never heard of me. I had never heard of you, no. Right. Yeah. No, there, there are some kids in Canada who grow up with CBC on in the background. I, I wasn't one of them. You know, it was a confluence of things. You opened a door for me, and I happened to have been listening to, uh, to This American Life mm-hmm. uh, as a podcast. Yes. Back then. And, uh, and the radio documentary just seemed like a really interesting thing to try my hand at. Yeah. And, uh, and everybody loves This American Life, except me. Yeah? Mm-hmm. I'm sure for fascinating reasons. I don't like cults. You don't like cults. That show has put some of the finest journalism on the air in the last 10 years. It's done incredible investigative reporting and, and, and it's yep. stylistic innovations. Oh, no, 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 not innovations. We were doing it 40 years ago. <sighs> you know, I was trying to move off this topic, but okay. are you still doing it? I mean, what do you think of the shape of the radio documentary? I was trained to make radio documentaries by Karen Levine at the Sunday edition. She's the documentary editor, yes. She is. And... I think I went from a young man's position of, of sneering at the news and uh, without really knowing much about it to wanting to make something wonderful mm-hmm. and true and real and falling in love with the form mm-hmm. and the craft of making radio documentaries and uh, believing in what we were doing when I worked with you on, on the Sunday edition mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. And I guess I question whether or not that ideal of public broadcasting that I was introduced to working for you is still shared by the CBC. You mean by people in the CBC? Yeah. Like, the radio documentary as a form is being starved by a house that innovated it and pioneered it. I think, uh, first of all, there are a number of... um, um, uh, ...influences... Uh, we've been cut to pieces the last few years in terms of budget. And radio documentaries are very expensive to make. And we've had our budget cut. We've lost producer positions. We've lost employees. I think you had, and during the Sturzberg era, you, you had to, there was tremendous pressure to get numbers. Various programs, I'm told, and certainly in television, we're told if you don't get a million, they're going to move you or yeah. years, whatever. So they're trying to make. We can still make excellence, but with reduced resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, this American Life has... I've forgotten what their kill rate is. Oh, they uh, killed one of mine. They, I think they kill about 30 or 40% of, yeah. of what they produce. Yeah. Uh, we can't afford to do that. Yeah. We have to use everything. We have to broadcast everything we get. I'm not criticizing you. Your show is one of the last shows that puts radio documentaries on the air. Full length. Uh, full length. Yeah. Yeah, we are. Uh, and thank God for that. But um, your original question, if I can go back through the thickets of uh, your line of reasoning, um, do the people there share uh, a common view of public broadcasting? Is that it? Something like that? I feel like you indoctrinated me into a cult that, that, that ceased to exist. I, I was the last. I was the last convert. Um... <clears throat> the reason that I was attracted to you was the stuff in Saturday Night, where you did these insane hoaxes, and that you ho- you managed to suck in as it happens on a hoax. I thought they were brilliant. That's why I phoned you. Uh, I wanted to inject some of that into into radio. 
Now, I don't know. Like hires like. Um, that's a given in any organization, and the CBC is no is no different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you hired me to do comedy, but I ended up in the newsroom. The thing is, I, I, I had no interest in trying to present myself as, as the news anchor authority. And, and, and so we did some of the first work in, in the country using social media to, to bring in other voices and using it for news gathering. Yeah. I do uh, think that we have to be a little more careful about what we put on the radio in terms of the citizen journalist, you know, the people with the cameras and... You think CBC needs to be more careful? I think we have to be careful about... About not putting citizen journalists on the air. Well, would you go to a citizen dentist? You know, you're the guy who once told me that a journalist is a guy who borrows 10 bucks for lunch off of a reporter. Reporter, that's right. Yeah, I don't like the term journalist. I mean, it's it's a, a way of imbuing kind of phony dignity to a profession that, by design, anybody should be able to do. We're not like doctors or architects. We don't have any governing council. Nor do you need particular scholastic credentials or even a high school diploma, apparently. Well, you do now. I mean, I don't have a... I was a high school dropout. Well, you could have a master's degree from Columbia in journalism. You still not get a job. I don't know that I'd get a job these days. Yeah. In fact, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't. You mentioned often the, the lack of a high school diploma, and we carry these bruises around, and, and I feel like I've spoken from my injury of having been laid off by the CBC and canceled twice and shown the door, I think, about five times. And I think I've pushed you into this defensive corner. I was fired by the CBC. Yeah. When I was doing a program called This Country in the Morning, replacing Peter Zosky. People loved him. How did you do? They didn't love me. Or at least I was told they didn't love me. I wasn't warm enough. Yeah. So I was fired. Look, uh, I think maybe you got a bit more to say about the CBC that maybe you can't say. It's not really what I'm trying to get at anyhow. What, I, what I've been trying to get at through this conversation, and, and let me see if I can phrase this properly. There's nothing particularly specific about the kind of disruptions that we're seeing in the media in Canada. Disruptions? Disruptions. That's a bit of web jargon for you. That the industry is being turned on its head. Print is in trouble. Journalism is in trouble Mm -hmm. across the board. That's true around the world. Yep. In the States where papers are shrinking or dying, there's a a ton of new websites that have come up. It's not a one-to-one transaction, but there are new places doing new things. We don't have that here. We have 350,000 Canadians working in the greater San Francisco Bay Area. Mm-hmm. We don't have a tech startup scene here that comes close to that. And the one big tech concern we have looks like it's on its last legs. There's a sense of, of entropy here. Having been doing this job in this country since before Confederation, maybe you could provide some insight on this. Is any of this resonating with you? Because I, I, I see you kind of furrowing your brow, and, and I think you're going to take issue with what I just presented. No, I'm not going to take issue with what I don't understand. Um, is there a something peculiar to Canada and Canadians that makes us loathe to change? Is that... You know, it's, it's a number of things. I mean, when I was unable to get the, get a media criticism show off the ground, uh, Minsky said to me, what do you expect? It's a small country. You can't start throwing stones. I mean, everybody everybody in, in, in news journalism yeah, in Canada knows yes, everybody else. Yes, exactly. That's very true. Half the people working in the CBC newsroom are married to people in the newspapers. I said at the beginning, this is a pretty bad idea for me, or it might be. You piss people off in this field. You know, you, there's not a lot of places to work for. That's right. Yeah. There's a hesitancy, you know, that, that does not exist in the States. I hope you'll allow me that, that if the New York Times gets something wrong or if there's a case of plagiarism, you know, in a deeply 
politically divided country like the United States, it will be called out immediately. And I knew about Rob Ford and cocaine a good 10, 11 months before that story came out, as did everybody else I knew. People cited the libel laws in Canada as a reason why that story sat on ice, again, until an American news organization broke it. The Gawker. Yeah. Yeah. Why did we need Gawker to break the Rob Ford scandal? We all knew about it. You'd have to ask the people at the New York, at uh, the, the Toronto Star. Um, I, I did. They didn't respond. I don't know. Um, again, I guess I'm naive. I didn't know anything about the Rob Ford business before. We should hang out more. You got to get away from that that geriatric breakfast that you I do. And about, I didn't know anything about Rob Ford, for that matter. You're like a, a, a prosecutor, perhaps, who can't get to the question, but has to uh, make some kind of impression on the jury so they don't nod off. What is your question, witness? I don't know if it's an old boys club or a basic timidity. If what is? What is the it here we're talking about? Why is it so difficult to talk about difficult subjects in Canada? Why is there so much of a reservation and a caution why is there no Canadian Daily Show? Why do we need American news organizations to break Canadian stories? Why do Canadians have to go to San Francisco to start technology companies? We are always measuring ourselves against the American paradigm. Is that the problem? Why can't we be like the Daily Show? Why can't we have a cowboy star like Roy Rogers? Why can't <laughs> we have a New York Times? Uh, uh, Your points I, of reference. I've lived this all my life. Yeah. I grew up 90 miles from, from Buffalo, New York. You could have gone there, I'm sure, at some point in your career. I was offered a job by Newsweek. Why didn't you go? Because I didn't want to raise my children in Manhattan. Yeah. I had worked for Time Magazine. I wasn't crazy for Newsweek. I don't want to go either. I, I'm lacking the job offer. I, I don't want to go either. And my kids are growing up in this country, too, as are yours. Yes. 14.5% uh, unemployment in, in the youth in Canada. Terrible. Uh, the thing, I guess the thing that is, is pressing on me at the moment is whether or not you're going to let me answer your question. I suppose so. Okay. Uh, we have made a, a practice, a ritual, a rite of comparing ourselves always with Americans. The one thing I've noticed in the last 20 years is how we've managed to export the funniest comedians in North America, that Lauren Lipowitz, Lauren Michaels, has created a factory of comedy that no other American was able to do, uh, that Danny Aykroyd and all those people from Second City are kings of comedy, and they all came from this frozen, vast, empty place, and we take great pride in that. Somebody gets a job with, with the New York Times, a Canadian gets a job with the New York Times, and we think that's terrific. It's a mar it's a certification. We are a country that is always looking for certification. We're always looking to be for someone to say, yes, you're doing it right. Uh, we do a lot of things right, but we need somebody to tell us. I've lived in the United States, I've worked in the US, and I went to school in the US. Uh, and my mother's family is from Nantucket Island, Massachusetts. And I love the place. But I'm not an American, and I don't want to be an American, and I don't want to adhere to American journalistic standards. I want to go my own way. I feel like you are to blame for, what? for, for the fact that I'm doing this. 
And uh, please don't hang that on me, for Christ's sake. <laughs> I, I feel like you're totally responsible. That my life would have taken a completely different turn. And uh, I'm incredibly grateful. There's no need for that. I found some. I'm. I'll tell you what. I have a first-rate, second-rate mind. But what I am good at, um, I can spot talent. I'm very good at that. The more people like yourself who look at things askance in a different way, the healthier it is for us. And you do it, it accretes. You do it by accretion. You do, you, it's lapidary. You do level after level. You try this and try that and so on. And it's a very time-consuming thing. I'm sorry if I got you into this because obviously um, you've turned into a uh, bitter <laughs> young man <laughs> fight, struggling with uh, demons that the rest of us can only marvel at. <laughs> I can't be put off this. Uh, I can be shown the door and, and I'll still find a way to do it. Your problem is you've stopped writing. You have stopped writing, and you're... Oh, you, you know, you said this to my dad at my wedding, and... and He's a psychiatrist. Yeah. He needs to know these things. This is so. better. I like talking better. I think you do, too. No, I'm better at talking than I am at writing, but I think you're a great writer, and I think you should stick with that. And <laughs> this other rubbish... Uh, <laughs> you're, you're my first guest on the first episode of my new show. Your advice is stick to writing. Well, I don't know what the show purports to be. I'm trying to figure that out myself. Listen, I, I am the son of a shrink. I believe in the talking cure. I think there are problems in this country, and I, I think that there's nothing better I can do than, than to talk about them, because I don't think they're getting talked about. I agree. Being on the air, the CBC, yeah. taking that show to TVO afterwards, starting this show now, uh, I can't think of a better thing to do with myself. No, absolutely. No, I wouldn't want to do anything else. I wouldn't want to do anything else. I think you have to keep at it. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. All right, that was the first Canada Land. I, I hope you liked it. If you want to email me, I'm at jesse at jessebrown.ca. I read everything you send me, and I respond when I can. You can also follow me on Twitter at jessebrown, and the website is at canadalandshow.com. Why not go get a free audiobook right now at audibletrial.com slash CanadaLand. I make this show with Christopher DeMello, and we will have an all-new episode for you on Monday. If you like this show, recommend it. Am I going to get in trouble with what I've said? You tell me. You said it. I don't a couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's going to get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.